Welcome to the Friends of Israel today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. As a believer in Jesus, have you ever looked back on your life and marveled at how God saved you? At how he was leading you through circumstances and relationships you didn't understand at the time, but now they make perfect sense. God doesn't only do this for individuals. It's been part of his pattern all throughout history. Yeah, Steve, that's so true. And one place we see it in biblical history is in the unfolding story of Jerusalem. And that's why today we're going to study the history of this holy city. You know, Jerusalem plays such a vital role in God's plan But early on in biblical history, Jerusalem was never mentioned as the capital of Israel. But, you know, God would hint that Jerusalem is the place of his choosing. And even though the Israelites couldn't see the direction God was taking them on, he nonetheless had Israel on a divine path. You know, just as he has you on a divine path. And also on our show, a popular pastor recently made headlines with a controversial sermon about the role the Old Testament plays in our lives. I'm going to unpack that, so you'll want to be sure to stick around. Jerusalem is such a vital part of the story of redemption that God has laid out in the scriptures. Jerusalem is the place where Israel's kings ruled where Israel's prophets preached, where God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Jerusalem is the city where Jesus and the disciples taught, where Jesus died, resurrected, and ascended to be with the Father. So as I said, Jerusalem is a vital part of God's redemption story. And to think that there's still a Jerusalem here today, that you, that you could aboard a plane with me tonight from New York to Tel Aviv, and in less than one day I could have you walking the old city of Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years after Jesus preached, died, and rose again. Nearly 3,000 years after King David declared Jerusalem the place of God's choosing. You know, God chose Jerusalem later in Israel's history. Even though it isn't the capital of Israel early in Israel's history, God alludes to it a lot in the Torah. Now remember, the Torah is the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And a few months ago, I taught on how God alluded to Jerusalem through the journeys of Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 and in Genesis chapter 22. Remember Genesis chapter 14, Melchizedek, who was a king and priest of the Most High God from the city of Salem, blessed Abraham. And many scholars believe that Melchizedek was the pre-incarnate Christ, But either way, Melchizedek City, Salem, is the place known to be as Jerusalem. So in Genesis 14, you see right away, early on in the scriptures, God is alluding, hinting to the significance of Jerusalem, that a righteous king and priest like Melchizedek would bless Abraham, and he comes from the city of peace. Also, remember when God told Abraham to bind Isaac and to offer him up on Mount Moriah in Genesis chapter 22? God, of course, stopped Abraham and provided a substitute, a ram. But once again, God was alluding, he was hinting to Jerusalem early in the, in the biblical account, early in biblical history, because Mount Moriah is the same mountain the temple was built atop in Jerusalem. 
So once again, a- another picture of the holy city that God was pointing to early on in the scriptures. And, and I want to encourage you if, you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to those radio programs, you can go to foiradio.org, and, and there in our radio and podcast archives, you'll find a history of all of our past shows and their show notes. Uh, and so it's worth going there to find out to see how God was hinting to Jerusalem in Genesis. I'll encourage you to do that. But, but now I want to show you from Deuteronomy chapter 12 and Psalm 87 that God had Jerusalem in mind from the very beginning as the place of his choosing. As the Israelites were getting ready, I want want to put you in in the position of Israel's history here. They're about to go into the land of Israel. They've wandered for 40 years, and now they are preparing to go into the land to conquer it. And Moses decides to stop them and to reiterate the law to them. And that is really what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. He, He wants to tell Israel one more time what the law is as they enter into the land. So much of the law in Deuteronomy looks forward to Israel. Israel dwelling in Canaan. That's why God says in Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 5, these are the statutes and ordinances you must be careful to obey as long as you live in the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess. You must by all means destroy all the places where the nations you are about to dispossess worship their gods. On the high mountains and hills and under heavy leafy trees, you must tear down their altars, shatter their sacred pillars, burn up their sacred Asherah poles, and cut down the images of their gods. You must eliminate their very memory from that place. You must not worship the Lord your God the way they worship. You have to be different. That's what God's saying. But listen to this, verse 5. You must seek only the place he chooses from all your tribes to establish his name as his place of residence, and you must go there. Notice right away, remember I said a lot of Deuteronomy has to do with the idea of Israel taking possession of the land. And so as you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you will constantly see this uh, same um, entrance into the chapter here that as you're entering into the land or as long as you live in the land, these these I, this idea that Israel's about to enter the land and these are the laws for them as they're dwelling in the land. And one of them is that they must tear down all of the idol worship of the people that have occupied um, Canaan. They must tear down places of worship, uh, destroy them, and they're not supposed to worship at any of those places, even worship God in any of those places, but instead they are supposed to look to a place of God's choosing. You know, it's going to be tempting for the Israelites to maintain the high places of worship that were established by the Canaanites. But God is saying, tear those places down. Get rid of them. Don't even convert them into places of worship for me. Why? Again, look what verse 5 says. Seek only the place he chooses from all of your tribes to establish his name as his place of residence, and you must go there. And, you know, Moses is going to reiterate this idea over and over again in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Listen to verses 10 and 11. When you do go across the Jordan River and settle in the land, he is granting you as an inheritance and you find relief from all the enemies who surround you, you will live in safety. Verse 11, listen to this. Then you must come to the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to reside. Bring everything that I com- uh, I'm commanding you, your burnt offerings, sacrifices, tithes, and the personal offerings you have prepared and all your choice votive offerings which you devote to him. 
Again, in Deuteronomy 12, verses 13 and 14, make sure you do not offer burnt offerings in any place you wish. Verse 14, for you may do so only in the place the Lord chooses in one of your tribal areas. There you may do everything I am commanding you. The the place of the Lord's choosing. The place of God's choosing again appears in Deuteronomy verses 18 and 21. It goes on and on. God is sending a message. He has a place in mind where all of Israel will come and worship God. There is a specific location God will reveal as his central place of worship. Now, many scholars believe Moses is talking about the tabernacle in in Deuteronomy chapter 12, that wherever the tabernacle is, there is the place of God's choosing. Like when the tabernacle settles in Shiloh, that was the place of God's choosing. And, And I'll be honest with you, I don't think that they're wrong. The point of what God is communicating in in Deuteronomy chapter 12 is that of worship. But I also believe that God had Jerusalem in mind when Moses wrote this down. You know, but as I think about this concept of God's place of his choosing, that God in Deuteronomy chapter 12 would would choose a place where, where he would choose to place his name, I think about the fact that the temple isn't in Jerusalem anymore. You know, God's spirit doesn't just dwell in the rocks of Jerusalem. There was a purpose for Jerusalem. God's spirit dwelt in the Holy of Holies, in the temple where his people would come and worship him. And today there is no temple in Jerusalem. Now, I still believe that Jerusalem is the place of God's choosing. But I also believe today you, you who are listening right now, if you believe in Jesus, you are the place of his choosing. Today, you are the place where God chooses to put his name. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, the Messiah, if you have turned to him, he has promised to forgive you of your sins and has indwelt you with the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Remember that whole aspect of Deuteronomy chapter 12 was surrounded around the idea of worship, that wherever God's presence was, wherever he chose to put his name is where Israel should be worshiping him. And now God is in you and wherever you go is an opportunity to worship him. No matter where you go is an opportunity to worship God. But let me end with this. I do not believe this means that God is through with Jerusalem. I believe Jerusalem still plays a major role in God's plan. It's the city of peace where the prince of peace will rule uh, in, the, in the coming kingdom. It's the place of his choosing. But, but I think it's really important to understand that right now where you are, this is amazing, where you are, wherever you're listening to this radio broadcast is the place of God's choosing. He is in you. You are the temple of the Lord. His spirit is in you. And what a great opportunity right now to stop and pray and just worship God because he's right here. He's with you right now as a place of his choosing, a place where he's decided to put his name. Now, when we return, I'm going to share my thoughts about what Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Community Church said in a sermon um, on unhitching the Old Testament from the New Testament. So you'll want to be sure to stick around.
Embark on a once-in-a-lifetime experience to Israel with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. Learn from our knowledgeable staff, experienced Israeli guides, and enjoy unsurpassed accommodations. For over 40 years, the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry has been leading Christians of all ages to the Holy Land. And I can assure you this will be a trip of a lifetime. Now, while you're there, you will visit ancient biblical sites like Jerusalem. You'll stand on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and you'll walk the ancient paths as the Bible comes to life right before your very eyes. And and what's unique about Up to Jerusalem is that you'll also be introduced to the modern state of Israel, seeing the world-changing advancements made in new technologies from prominent Israeli officials. Join us on our next trip, which departs October 12th. Now listen, seats are limited, but don't forget, we go twice a year, both in October and in the spring in March. So be sure to check out our website at foiradio.org to find out when you can go on our next Up to Jerusalem trip. As Chris mentioned, to learn more about our Up to Jerusalem trip to Israel, visit our website at foiradio.org or call 800-257-7843. Welcome back, everyone. A few weeks ago, I was reading a Christian Post article on a sermon that Andy Stanley, who's senior pastor at North Point Church in Georgia, gave several weeks ago, which is titled Aftermath, Not Difficult. That's what the, the title of the sermon is. The Christian Post quoted Pastor Stanley saying this, First century Christian church leaders unhitched the church from the worldview, value system, and regulations of the Jewish scriptures. I'm going to read you another quote. Listen to this. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures, and my friends, we must as well. And I've got one more for you. It's a real doozy. Listen to this. Jesus's new covenant, his covenant with the nations, his covenant with you, his covenant with us, can stand on its own two nail-scarred resurrection feet. It does not need propping up by the uh, Jewish scriptures, he said. Adding this, the Bible did not create Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus created and launched Christianity. Your whole house of Old Testament cards can come tumbling down. Now, listen, within a few days after he gave this sermon, uh, Christians from all corners of Christendom spoke up about this. Blog writers were blogging. Twitter users were tweeting. Even some of the most liberal Christians were responding to Stanley's message, saying that they think he's got it all wrong. And listen, I, I wanted to listen to the sermon just to make sure that the Christian Post article and what blog writers and the Twitter feeds were saying weren't just responding within their own echo chambers. And to my surprise, his sermon was actually quite alarming. He, he was challenging his incredibly large congregation to see that while the Old Testament is inspired by God, he admitted to that, he believes the Old Testament is inspired by God, he also was trying to say this, that it has no bearing on your life today as a New Covenant Christian. Now, at face value, most Bible-believing Christians know this is wrong. You don't have to be convinced of this. You know, the Gospels and the book of Acts in the New Testament, which tell the story of the life of Christ and the establishment of his church, are heavily reliant on the Old Testament and the history of Israel. Uh, the gospel writers were dependent on the prophecies of the Old Testament to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus, 
was who he claimed to be. Additionally, New Testament writers like Paul, Peter, and John, and others used Old Testament law as a standard of ethic for the Christian community in their time and even today. And let's not forget about how Revelation, the book of Revelation, relies heavily on the book of Daniel from the Old Testament. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe God was opening a door when you read through the book of Acts and and, and Pastor Stanley focused specifically on Acts chapter 15. When when you read through the book of Acts, you see that God was opening a door for non-Jewish people to be a part of the Messianic community without having to become Jewish first. You know, today in the church, Christians do not need to be circumcised or follow kosher laws or keep Jewish festivals in order to be a follower of the Messiah Jesus. But that didn't mean that God was unhitching Judaism or the Old Testament from the New Testament community. But there's also a bigger issue at work here. When Stanley talks about unhitching from the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, he's essentially leaving behind all the promises that God made to Israel, like the land, the people, and the blessing that they would be to the world. Unhitching means those promises God made to Israel are worthless today. And this is another way of saying that the church has replaced Israel, that Israel doesn't matter anymore. It's been completely unhitched. Folks, the truth is this sermon is a theological disaster. The Old Testament is the foundation upon which our faith is built upon. When Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 this, every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for, the, and for training in righteousness that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. It's important to remember this, that there was no New Testament then. The only Bible that the early church had was the Old Testament. Testament. Clearly, Paul, Jesus, and the other New Testament writers weren't ready to just unhitch the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, from their faith. Folks, I think it's really important to understand the value of the Old Testament. God is working his, 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 his redemptive plan out through all of history. And right now we live in an age of the new covenant, which I must remind is connected to a promise that God made in the Old Testament. And we believe in a Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. This, these are all hopes and, and promises that we fall back on that come from the Jewish scriptures. And so do I believe God has unhitched us from the Jewish scriptures or from the Old Testament? May it never be. May it never be. We can trust in God's word from Genesis to Revelation. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Many times I go to the ultra-Orthodox yeshivas and engage the people in long discussions, trying to bring them back to the Bible. They in turn always show me the many books from their halacha, literature written by rabbis. They try to convince me that only through the halacha can I be a good Jew. 
always listen politely. But then I tell them that this is made up of fictitious stories. On a recent visit, an elderly man approached me and he shouted, Zvi, do you not know me? But I didn't recognize him. He said, I know you very well. We spent a lot of time together. Good times and hard times. I told him, it's so obvious on the outside. I have not changed much because you recognize me so quickly, but I have changed on the inside. I can see how you have changed on the outside with your clothing and long beard and side curls. But you still have the same heart of stone because you're here in this place. Finally, he identified himself as a man with whom I had served in the army in 1948. Now, here we were, meeting again after 48 years. He said, Zvi, I have heard about you a lot over the years, but I never believed what I heard. Now I know all those reports were true. How could you leave the faith of your fathers and preach something that is against our rabbis and traditions? I said, I do not wish to speak against anyone. Rather, I am here to remind you to whom you belong, as it is written in Malachi 3.7. From the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances. Return to me, and I will return to you. The Bible does not mention your rabbis. In it you will read only what the Lord has done for us. I could not recognize you because you have changed your face and your style of dress. But you have not changed your heart. You still have a heart of stone. Though I have not changed my outward appearance, God has given me a heart of flesh. I have not changed his laws or commands as you have done. My old friend then asked, How can you say such things? I replied, God himself has said it in the Bible. Here in your house of prayer you have hundreds of books, but you do not have one Bible. I have come here to warn you about the false teachings you are following. I pray I am not too late. This is my obligation before God and all people. Ezekiel 3.17 says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. And by the end of our conversation, one said, You are very interesting, and we would welcome you back to speak with us again. I was grateful to the Lord for the good conclusion to our meeting I pray God will water the seed sown and eventually grant the harvest of these souls to eternal life. Chris, as we're wrapping up the program today, I was listening to you talk about Andy Stanley's sermon that said the Old Testament has been unhitched from the New Testament believer's life. And yet what you taught today shows that God's plan for Jerusalem from the Old Testament still matters for us today and in the future. How should I reconcile these two things? Yeah, I think this is where uh, Stanley's message goes wrong. 
because Jerusalem is a story that's unfolding throughout biblical history from the beginning to the very end, from Genesis to Revelation. There is no break of unhitching from the Old Testament. So I, I, I think the way that we reconcile this is by understanding that there is still a very important value of the Old Testament in a believer's life today as we fall back on those promises of God that he made in the Old Testament. So it would be the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Amen. And a reminder to you, if you have not yet subscribed to Israel My Glory, you can get a full year at no cost. Visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. Thanks for being with us today. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Remember, the Friends of Israel Today remains on the air thanks to the faithful giving of listeners just like you. If you would like to donate, visit foiradio.org.